Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down again with Mr. Keith Myers. Welcome into the show, Keith. Yeah, um, big game this weekend. I know in our uh, previous show, it's like, let's talk about Arizona. And you're like, no, we got to talk about <laughs> Green Bay. Um, but today yeah. you can't say no. We're talking about Arizona. I'm ready. Yeah, for this w- let's do it. Well, I don't want to talk about Arizona. You don't? <laughs> I, I want to talk, talk about the Seahawks. I want to talk about the Seahawks playing Arizona this week's right. game. Um, you know, they've, they've been doing well. So um, I think I was fairly bullish on them um, in the the fall, early, you know, late summer, early fall. And yep. um, you were just not quite sure, and well, which is totally understandable. Totally understandable. Because I mean, Cliff Clingsbury is like... He's one of those guys, you're either going to buy into that program or you're not. And I think it really, what it comes down to for them, um, now that we've kind of seen this play out, is just talent. It's like they, it finally all kind of came together for them, both offensively and defensively, um, where, where they just have the weapons now around Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has had a chance to mature a little bit. He really understands what they're trying to do in the offense. Um, he, they really do a good job taking what the defense gives them, and they disguise plays really well. Um, and you heard, I, at least I watched Bobby Wagner uh, in his Thursday press conference. We talked about the the offensive challenges that the Cardinals present to their defense, and one of them is just Kyler Murray. Like uh, he talked about Kyler as a young quarterback coming into the league, wasn't quite as dynamic, kind of a one-trick pony kind of a guy and now you know he talks about him maturing into a very much a well-rounded quarterback who can do a lot of things with his legs still but can really throw on the on the run accurately and um will challenge you not just uh scampering uh when the when the uh the pocket um collapses but they'll design runs with him and he's not a guy, even though he's, he's uh, you know, 5'10", 5'11", 200 pounds, he's not a guy that just goes out of bounds. Um, once in a while, he'll look like he's going to go out of bounds, and then he'll, he'll shoot up for an additional, you know, six, seven, eight yards. And um, so um, Bobby Wagner was really complimentary um, as far as what their offense is trying to do and what cool. challenges that they, they will face this Sunday. So, I mean, basically uh... – if you think back to, you know, 2013, 2014, 20, you know, in that area, Russell Wilson, that's what you're looking at with Kyler Murray. He's an undersized guy who runs really well, throws on the run well, and is absolutely underrated when he doesn't run. Um, they People see the highlight plays where he's running around and, and, and throwing the ball deep downfield and, you know, extending plays and all that kind of stuff. And they they tend to ignore the fact that he's a good yeah. pocket passer as well. Well, he's excellent, Keith. I mean, he's excellent. Let's just yeah. say it right now. He's throwing 72.7% of his passes or completions. He's got um, the highest, 
the highest uh, yards per pass attempt of any starting quarterback in the. What NFL. is it like a nine point eight or eight point nine something? Like eight point nine, which is 8.9. which is which is scary high. And so, seventy two point seven percent completion rate, seventeen touchdowns, seven interceptions on the on the year. He missed last game. Um, there there was talk of him skipping another game just because the bye week sit, sits right behind the Seahawks game. Uh, but he's had three consecutive practices. Um, and it looks like it's a go for Kyler Murray. Um, what do you, given the weapons now with DeAndre Hopkins, um, AJ Green coming into the fold, you know, everyone's kind of poo pooing AJ Green as far as being over the hill and, and whatnot, but he's got 30 receptions for 460 yards and, and three touchdowns. Those aren't really pedestrian numbers. Those are not too far away from where DeAndre Hopkins is 35 receptions, 486 yards. DeAndre yeah, Hopkins a, has seven more touchdowns, but that's the thing. AJ Green is giving them though some opportunities though yeah. to stretch the field a little bit more because DeAndre Hopkins is kind of their underneath guy. Well, AJ Green doesn't have that downfield speed, but he's got that downfield size. Um, yes. It right. is kind of like it, think of it as how the Seahawks used David Moore in previous years, but with more talent. Um, he isn't the he isn't the a. Um, the AJ green of like five years ago, who was one of the top receivers in the entire NFL. Um, this is a, you know, injury diminished version of a super great player who's still really good. Um, and I think that is under, he's smart. Well, yeah. And it, he knows he's um, a great route runner. He's a guy that now in his, this point in his career um, reminds me a lot of Anquan Bolden. If you remember him from mm, Arizona absolutely. and Baltimore days, um, a guy who Anquan Bolden was a little bit more physical, but AJ was. Green is they, they're both clutch. They both they both yep. move the sticks. So AJ Green isn't you know that dynamic player who's giving you all the touchdowns, but what he has been is steady, generating a lot of first downs, a lot of third down conversions for him, really helping. Um, is is Hopkins set to play this week? I know you brought him up, but he has been banged up and injured, and I thought he was out for this week. He did not. He has not practiced this week. Yeah, but he so, has also not practiced since week seven. So to answer your question, I don't know. They okay. haven't come out and said specifically if he's ruled in or out on this game. I just know that he hasn't practiced. But again, practice reports are what they are with him, yeah. and they they they're certainly resting him. So well, I know he didn't guy, play last. He didn't play last week um, with the injury, and he from what. From what I had read, it sounded like he wasn't going to play this week, which actually puts a lot of pressure on um, Kyler Murray because his top weapon isn't out there. I mean, Christian Kirk's still pretty good, and yeah. um, AJ Green, but not well, having. I'll tell the, you, there, the, there's the a couple of weapons. Player. There's a couple of weapons though that I want to talk about. Um, a guy that could really help in that DeAndre Hopkins role, but he's not a wide receiver. It's tight end Zach Ertz. Mm. Um, they acquired him from Philadelphia in kind of a, you know, a couple weeks before the trade deadline. He's now kind of integrated into their offense and that does provide Kyler Murray with a tool underneath and even, you know, some deep shots with him over the middle on a mismatch. Um, if he gets, you know, a linebacker or a smaller safety on him, he can really take advantage of his size and Who he's a great have pass catcher. Cover him? This is like that, Jordan Brooks. I mean, and and you know, if if you have Jordan Brooks on him, or let's just say it's Jamal Adams, those are the those are the two guys that are athletic enough, right? Um, but 
you know, Adams isn't. Well, everyone's going to give up size to Zach, but, uh, you know, you do have to make it up with athleticism. Most teams do. You know, most teams have guys like Jordan Brooks and Jamal Adams to cover tight ends. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a beast and he's going to get his, but I don't, you know, I don't want them to like do what he did, you know, a few years ago in Philadelphia, um, you know, and go run out for, you know, eight, eight or nine receptions for over a hundred yards and a couple touchdowns. That would be, that's not what I'm wanting in this game. Well, if we can contain him to like three receptions for 20 or 30 yards, that would be a win for Seattle for sure. And I agree. And, um, but I, I just look at in the past when we would have, um, a big tight end, you know, a, a player like that come in, you go, okay, who's going to, who's going to cover him? And the answer was, you know, Cam Chancellor most of the time. Um, and he was just, he just kind of embraced that role. KJ Wright can, KJ yeah, Wright could have do done it too. that. Depending yeah. on depending on the uh, the um, the speed of the tight end and you know, even some of that, but, even Bobby Wagner in years past has dropped yep. back into coverage against some of these guys. But I look at the current team and you know um, Adams isn't the coverage doesn't yeah. have the coverage skills. I mean he's got the athleticism to do it. He's just um, he's good yep. at other things. Yeah. And um, you're not going to want to send your strong side linebackers into coverage against him. No, yeah, you if know, you've got like Taylor got Darryl, or whatever, Daryl Taylor dropping back into coverage. You're, yeah, you're unless unless you're running the zone that Seattle favors against this team, um, you know, you could have a guy like Taylor cover him in the in the mid to, to short zone area, and then hand him off if if they can do that smooth enough. But we'll see. That's been a kind of a challenge all year. They've gotten better at it though. They have. And now a word from our sponsor. DraftKings. Football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So the other guy I wanted to mention too that I, I really fell in love with, this is one of my sleeper picks in the draft back when he was drafted as James Conner. One of those running backs that I kind of had in my wheelhouse way back, you know, as a kind of an undrafted guy or a seventh round guy that I was really high on just because he had the size, weight, speed criteria that Seattle favored and ended up going to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Had, a, had a nice run there, fell into some injuries. For whatever reason, they were just done with James Conner and allowed him to leave this last season in free agency. And Arizona picked him up, and I thought it was one of the best signings 
in oh. all of free agency. Yeah. Um, because he's just really worked out 125 rushing attempts, 493 yards, 11 touchdowns. It's not huge numbers, but in that offense where all, that's all they need is that element of James Conner and those 11 touchdowns tell you everything you need to know about his effectiveness. Yeah, I'll agree with you about Connor. I mean, that's it was a it was a great signing. Um, you know, I, I was rooting for him. I mean, he went to Pittsburgh, which makes it hard to root for anybody. But um, mm-hmm. you know, that was that wasn't his fault. Um, but because you look at you know when he was in college, this was a guy that looked like a top running back, like a guy that was going to be. I think um, he was at Pitt or something, right? And he just didn't have the opportunities. I just, for, for the life of me, I can't remember exactly where he no, was in school. No, he, he, was, he was a top flight guy who had um, cancer and missed some time and had went through chemo and, and everything and beat it. And why then, am I not remembering that? And wow, that is, that's a great that, story. And that is why he, you know, he was still in that, in that recovery period. But the pre- um, the pre-illness James Connor was a dynamic guy, um, and the after-illness James Connor was more plotting, and uh, everybody still loved him. He was like, this was one of the best stories in the draft, and all of that. But um, you know, he he just looked like he'd lost some of that athleticism. But you root for guys like that, and he you know ended up in Pittsburgh, and and. Um, you know, the whole like Le'Veon Bell, like fall, that, mm-hmm. that whole thing fell apart and he just kind of stepped up into that role and was the guy and was way better than, you know, uh, I think anyone could have hoped for. And I don't know why Pittsburgh let him go. Like they just let him walk. They, there, there was no desire, no effort mm-hmm. to keep him. And all he's done is go to Arizona and be impressive. He's really been a steadying force for that offense that needed one because you know, Kenyon Drake back there in years past, he's so he's flashy, but he's inconsistent and yep. all of that. Now they've got the steady presence in the running game, which, which exactly it was one offense. of those pieces that they needed to complete that offense. So a um, couple other pieces, uh, Rondell Moore was a gadget player that they, I don't, I hate to say gadget player. You know what I mean though? He was a player that they picked yep. up in the draft. That's more of a guy that they scheme specific plays for uh, to get him into open space. Um, and he's effective at that. I'm surprised that he's a little bit more underutilized than I thought he would be. And then Chase Edmonds is their backup running back. He gets about 10 touches a game. Half of those come from receiving out of the backfield. On the defensive side, Keith, with our offense, especially the way that we struggled, what can we expect? Arizona is always a tough out. And, and mm-hmm. Seattle's always been a tough out for them. These two teams are fairly evenly matched whenever they line up, no matter what the uh, the rosters dictate. Um, what do you foresee in this game defensively for Arizona that is going to try to slow down Seattle? Well, I mean, they've got some playmakers um, on defense. And, um, JJ, it, and by the way, J.J. Watt is out of this game. He's out. Yeah, he's um, injured. He's out. He may be done. Um, well, he's, yeah, yeah. They put him on injury reserve on November 6th. They just don't know it's a shoulder injury, but they're not really saying too much. He could be available later in the year. That's all he we could, know. Yeah, okay. okay. What I was hearing was that, um, is he, he could be available, but they don't expect him to be like his okay. year is eventually over. But you know, you got Chandler Jones coming on, coming off the edge. Who's perhaps the best pass rusher in the NFL right now. 
Yeah. Um, well, this year he's got six sacks, two forced fumbles, three solo tackles, and he's got a bunch of combined tackles. So, yeah, he's their playmaker guy. He is their guy. And uh, six sacks is way down from last year. He had um, five sacks in one game last year. Yeah. It wasn't right. that against Seattle? <laughs> <laughs> something something um, like that. Yeah. No, my worst he, my worst possible fear. Oh, God. He, but he is such such a dynamic pass rusher. And Seattle's offensive line playing against a guy like that is a scary, scary mm-hmm. thing. Um, and so you, you, you've got to be careful. They've got to, hopefully they'll go into this with a game plan to neutralize him because yeah, you've without, got to rub him on every play with a tight end. You just yeah. do, without, especially given the fact that Dwayne Brown is really struggling on yeah. his side. Now I haven't really been paying too much attention to shell. Maybe that's a good thing. I haven't, we haven't really called him out, called his, his number out for bad plays or really good stellar play mm-hmm. um so but Dwayne brown's been the guy on film all the time that's kind of given up stuff so what is your interpretation of our edge players there at tackle on our <sighs> offensive side of the ball you know sometimes Dwayne brown does look good he looks like Dwayne brown and other times he doesn't um he looks I like i would a imagine guy who, it's matchup dependent it and it, at it this is. point um he is not the player he was in past years is my opinion but there are times when he looks like it and he's good. And I'm like, okay, well maybe he was banged up and now he's getting healthy. And then he has a clunker game like he did last week where he just got beat over so and over again. So let me, let me ask you this. So if that's the case, wouldn't a possible solution be to, to mitigate, to, to kind of meter his um, reps and maybe activate stone Forsythe and give stone like two or three drives a game out of 10 and just allow Dwayne Brown to kind of completely rebuild that strength again and go at it. Because, you know, quite frankly, you're saying that, and the offense has not been on the field a lot this year. Yeah. You know, as far as time of possession, dry, total drives and stuff, is just way down and close to the bottom of the league. And he's I still having those challenges. I think it is the challenges. bottom of the league. They're, I think they're 32nd in the NFL in time of possession per game. Um, but you know what? I... I'm not I'm not ready to just, you know, can him and 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 bench him or any of that. Um cuz he's still he's still a decent player. He's just not the the you know, the pro bowler um that we've come to expect from the last few years. I think age has just been kept, keep, uh, catching up with him. And honestly, we don't know what Stone Forsyth is. We, we don't, don't know. But my goodness we, though, if we're going to move on from Dwayne, it might be a good idea to give him, you know, a few uh a few drives now and again. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have him active. So that way, um, like in this last game, when uh, when Brown had to come out of the game, Jamarco Jones came in. Well, those snaps should he's be not the fu- He's not the future. No, he's not. Now, he's available on game day because he can play guard or have, tackle and play, me, play on both sides. Okay, that's, that's a good point. Have you been, by chance, and you might know this off the top of your head, I don't know, have you been paying attention to who's been active and who's been inactive on the offensive line in the I last have, several weeks. I have been, and it, it it's been pretty consistent um, as far as the, you know the guys that are there. Um, and they don't bring a, they don't bring that many guys with them on the offensive line. They're, they've been uh, because you've got a guy like Jamarco Jones who can back up four to five positions. They've actually been coming in with two guys, um, two backups, him and Fuller. Um, 
and I don't remember there being anyone else like Jake Curran. It would be the other one that yeah. I, I would like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a right tackle and nothing else. And Forsyth is a left tackle and nothing else. So that's why they haven't been active is because they're guys that don't offer that versatility. Um, so if you're bringing, if you have Forsyth active, you're he's there only to back up one guy. At Whereas what point? At what point do you look at this as a team strategy heading into 2022 when you've got an off season where you've got to go through free agency, you know, you're going to have to kind of remake some of your offensive line and then go into the draft and expend draft picks on those players, you know, to, to be quote unquote, either starters or very competitive at right tackle and left tackle. And you don't even know what you have on your mm-hmm. own roster because you just haven't seen any reps. I mean, they're seeing stuff in practice and maybe, maybe that's good enough for them. Um, but what is your, what would be your strategy? I would get Curran and Forsyth some snaps. Um, both of them in the preseason looked good. I mean, Forsyth started out looking fairly poor, but uh, in the first game, but in games two and three, he got, you know, progressively better. Um, Jake Curran was the surprise on the offensive line in the preseason. I mean, he looked good in all three games. Um, he's a, he looks like a guy that can seriously, seriously play. I would want to see both of those guys get some snaps. Now, does that mean start them and run Russell Wilson out there behind a, um, a very shaky unknown offensive line? I uh, no. Um, but that would mean get, keep one of those two guys active every week and find a way to get them in the game, get them in there for a series or two, um, you know, a drive or two, a quarter, if you can, if the game, uh, you know, you, you get a decent lead and you're going to start leaning on your running game. That would be a great time to get uh, Jake Curran in there who looks like he could be a road grader. Um, you know, if you're just take, take the opportunity to get the guys some snaps so that way you can evaluate them. Um, they can watch their, the tape is that, that self scouting, uh, in their first off season mm-hmm. is is huge for their development, their ability to look at their own plays and and learn from what happened um, is so much better than watching tape of other people. And so you've got to give them that opportunity. Give them something to scout. Um, give them something to learn from. And I, I would make the point of getting them in there. Now, the Seahawks probably would love to see that, but aren't going to sacrifice a game or a season <clears throat> for it. But you're also a team that's three and six, right? You're uh, you're two losses away from you know hanging it up and saying let's elimination let's, essentially. Yeah, let, let's let's go for let's go for it next year. At some there is going to be a point at some point in the season where they're out of it, or they go on this big run and they're in it. And um, at that point, we don't talk about this kind of stuff because we don't right. need to. Well, um, let's talk about the potential of a big run when it starts this Sunday. What does Seattle want to do on offense coming out of a dismal performance last Sunday against Green Bay? How do they turn that around at home against what is probably the second-best defense in the division? Yeah, okay. Um, I'm not as sold on their defense as you are, but um, what they what they got to do is – Pretty much their defense um, is it's Chandler Jones um, coming off the edge. And Zach Allen. Yes. I mean, Zach but, Allen's a really good five-tech. You're, you're basically plays a kind of a five-tech role in, for them. Yeah. But he he cleans up a lot of stuff. He's a kind of sure. a carry. He's an edge he's setter. A, yeah. He's a carry-hider type. 
Um, he's a good a good player. Don't want to say that, but it but is he a, is he a, a tilt the field guy? No, he's really not. And so I would say that you you've got to find a way to neutralize Chandler Jones. And if you can do that and give Russell Wilson that extra second to get the ball out, you're going to be okay offensively. I also want to see them find some balance, run the ball, give the ball to Alex Collins or Chris Carson if if Carson's available. It doesn't Grind sound it. like Chris is going to going to be available. No, it doesn't. But uh, and I know that that Collins is also banged up with a groin injury, and he's like toughing it out because the team doesn't have anyone else. Um, God, it'd be a great time for Penny to be a great running back, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, I think I think that ship has sailed. Um, at least but, for this team. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, they need. I don't. Despite the injury status of the running backs. They need to run the ball. They need yeah. that balance. Yeah, well, DJ Dallas has been looking good. He's been particularly stellar on uh, Kick returning returns. kicks this year. It's just yes, been amazing. I think he's averaging close to 27 yards of return, which yep. is close better, to being in the top five in the NFL. Yeah, he's one of the better kick returners in the NFL this year, which um, <laughs> Excuse me. is weird to think about because – you know, he's yeah, such, an right? af- a, such an afterthought in the offense, um, <laughs> but yet he's such he's so dynamic on kick returns. And you're like, well, can't, how do we take advantage of that? How do we take advantage of that? I know, Keith. I know. I, I think I know. I think it, what it comes down to is his role is going to be catching the ball out of the backfield where he's he's got some space and a chance to use those skills that We've make been him saying so that good. all year. We've been yeah. saying that all year about about our our running backs but what happens we just haven't been using them that way well yeah but what happens is our running backs end up staying in and blocking they're being used as um a blocker way more than they're been able to get out in into routes because they have to because the offensive line's been so porous and honestly dallas isn't particularly good at pass blocking at this stage in his homer's actually better which is crazy he is better um and actually homer's homer had a pretty decent year he has played significantly better this year than I would have expected. I thought I, I was surprised he made the team. I thought he was like an afterthought and just you and I both kind of predicted that we were going to cut him this year. And and instead, he has played. He's been a great third down back, uh, two minute um, drill type of guy, and pretty good at blitz pickup. You know, blocking. He's made a couple mistakes in that, um, but. You know, nothing. I mean, it's not like he's terrible at it. Um, he's actually been pretty good. Uh, just a couple of a couple of key mistakes um, overall, but he's outperformed all expectations um, as that in in that role. So I think that's part of the the thing with with Dallas is he's not a great pass blocker, so they're not getting him um in on the field in those situations because they don't trust him to keep Russell Wilson upright. Yeah, so let's talk about Russell Wilson. So, you know, he's had his ups and downs against the Cardinals. Um, mm-hmm. What are you looking for uh, for him to be able to do against the, this team this time? Uh, this is a must-win game for Seattle. It's kind of like a, it'll be a playoff kind of game for them. You know, every game will be for, for a, the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. But this game in particular at home coming after a nasty loss is just one of those games that if you get this game, it could really turn your season because the schedule gets progressively easier 
I mean, yeah. you've got that um, that Rams game, you know, in in there. But other than that, we could really take advantage after this game. But they have to win this game, otherwise. So how do we do it? Well, I think you. you what does you it come down to? And and at the at the end of your analysis. Give me so, your prediction. So you, um, you know, you brought in, brought up Wilson. So what do we, what do we expect from him? what Wilson needs to do is to settle down, is um, to lose the happy feet in the pocket, hit the top of his uh, of his drop and throw the ball, get it out of his hands, get, get into a easy, rhythm, get the easy completions. Don't feel like he's got to throw um, that forty yard, you know, big play on every down. Um, just yeah. t- extend, you know, extend some drives by just taking, you know, that five yard dig on, on third and four instead of, you know, going for the, you know, the, yeah, the it was, it was interesting line. Keith, because in his press conference today, somebody asked him specifically about the ratio of run pass in the last game. And his answer was basically, you know, um, we just need to execute. We just need to execute the plays that are called and we'll be good. Mm-hmm. And while that's technically true, <laughs> it doesn't really point back to an, an understanding that that he could benefit from an offense that was more balanced, that had some some disguises there, some some sets that looked the same run versus pass that they oh, could but open they, up they, for him in the second half. They do that. They have a lot of run versus pass from the same set and that kind of stuff. But um, what what it really comes down to is Russ missed some throws. There were some throws there. He had an open guy, and because and I think it's because of the finger, the ball sailed on him went over the player's head. And, and yeah, the finger in the cold. Yeah. <clears throat> and so he, there were there were multiple drives that ended because of that. And if he completes those passes, they get a first down. And then we don't know what they call after that. Um, and just based on, so we just need to all the comments, down. all the comments that we we've heard from, from, especially from Pete Carroll, it sounds like if they, if those had been completed, the next series would have included more runs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? It's, and, but, but <laughs> right. But because they're they're so bad at 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 getting and extending those drives and getting to those plays, we're never we're not seeing them. Do I trust that? Not really. But that's that's yeah. the that's the claim from the coaching staff, and I mean that just is what it is. Like they they do need when the teams are are playing double high safeties and they're dropping everyone back because they know that Wilson and the Seahawks like to throw the ball deep. Freaking run the ball. Yeah. Or when you're or, facing four, or kick, or, or, or four kick, defenders, get a get a five yard slant. Uh, do something underneath. Get that first down. Get do what you got to do. Yeah. And play for another day. Yeah. Make, absolutely. Make, make them come up and challenge you. Um. And then you have your opportunities to throw. Right. And and this seems like such too. a basic football concept. This is it a concept is. that I learned in fifth grade. In it Pop is Warner. a ba- it is a basic football concept, but the Seahawks. They know what they have talent-wise. They've got um, one of the best deep threats in the NFL and DK Metcalf. They've got Tyler Lockett, who's going to do everything. He's a great deep threat, and he's great at everything. Um, and so you Peterson's got to- not there uh, this year. This is the first time we're going to face uh, the, the Cardinals for a while. Byron Murphy's there. He's looking forward to the challenge, I heard him say, sure. of, of facing DK Metcalf on every play. 
Yeah, um, honestly, that's a that is a matchup that favors DK Metcalf. I agree on every play. Yes. Um, it's not that side; it's the other side that has me worried. So, uh, and yeah, because DK Metcalf needs should eat on this in this game. He should just feast. So, is Marco Wilson the other corner, or is who who's the other corner? I can't um, remember. That's not who I would. And Buddha Baker's over Buda Baker. roaming around. Buddha Baker is the guy I was I'm thinking of because he's yeah. their free safety slash slot corner slash everything. I don't know. Right, he's everything. Swiss Army knife of yeah. awesome. Um, the that guy is he's way a, better a, than I ever playmaker. expected him to be. He's more than a playmaker because he literally does everything. He can do everything from uh from being the single high safety. And actually get sideline to sideline to rushing the passer. And he can cover the slot receivers with the best of them. I mean, the guy is fen- a phenomenal player. Um, so give me a prediction, Keith. We're at that uh, point in the in the show where I'm looking for a number. You first. Mainly because I, 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 I don't Yeah, know. right. I, I don't know what to expect <laughs> from Seattle's offense. Seattle's defense has been playing really consistent, and you almost mm-hmm. feel like they're going to play consistent again and figure out a way to, to slow Kyler Murray and company down. Um, You know, and the, the Cardinals have lost two out of the last three games. And the last mm-hmm. one, they lost 34 to 10 versus the Panthers. Um, of course, the, they were quarterback challenged in that game, but nonetheless, that's a lot of points to give up. And they and they lost twenty four to twenty one against the Packers on October twenty eighth, just a little while ago. So, mm-hmm. and they scored seventeen points against, or excuse me, they scored thirty one against the the 49ers. Um, I think that I'm going to go somewhat conservative in this game just because the of the history. Uh, it seems like there's been low-scoring affairs more than there's been high-scoring contests between these two teams. So I'm going to go like 23-17. I, I never pick against my team, <laughs> but you want, but you your your head tells you to, but your heart won't let. I'm going to go 23-17 Cardinals. Yeah, and I don't um, want to. I, I I swear to God, I don't. I really don't. I want to believe hurt. in my team. It that hurts. hurt you. It, it hurt you. Oh, God, that it hurt you to say. So here's... how many times have you heard me predict against the Seahawks since we've been started? Since we've started, oh, God, very rarely. This is probably the third time in five years. Um. So I want to go back to last year, and this the Cardinals got off to this hot start. They were the team. They were 8-0, I believe. Um, Kyler Murray gets hurt. And when Kyler Murray's not 100%, he doesn't play as well. And that team fell off a cliff. So now you got this year. They are the team. They, they, I mean, they were clearly the best team in the NFC for a while. Kyler until, Murray gets, until the last three games. And Kyler Murray gets hurt. Um. And they, 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 they get blown out in a game without him. Okay, but he's not there. But even as he comes back, he's coming back and not being a hundred percent. It's an ankle. Yeah, it's and for, you know, so and for, a guy that relies on his speed legs agility, a lot. Yeah. Yes, and the thing is that does he need to rely on his legs? No, he's got the talent and the ability and the skill to play and be awesome without all that stuff. 
But when you are, and, and we see this with Wilson, right? Yes. There are times where he believes that he can get out of a situation and extend a play. And then sometimes it, his body just doesn't mm-hmm. do what he wants it to. It's just not there like it normally would be. Um, and that's what happened last year at the second half of the year with Kyler Murray. And he would. So you're saying that he's just easier to defend if he's one dimensional. Yes, he is because he's and you're so dynamic. That, and you're thinking that he's going to come into this game somewhat one dimensional and limited. Yeah. And it, it's, and, and what happens is he gets sacked more because it's, and it's not that he can't throw the ball from the, from the pocket because he absolutely can. He's really good at it. But when he, he starts to feel the rush and he tries to spin out of it and, you know, cut and, and get away from, you know, I will get away from the pressure through the pocket and extend a play. And now suddenly the ankle is not there and that the agility is not there. And instead he gets sacked because, he doesn't get away like he normally would. Those are the plays that hurt Kyler Murray last year. And I I want, like, I, I don't know what to expect because I don't know the current state of his ankle. But the fact that he yeah, missed last game, I, he might miss this. He, he was, there was a lot of concern that he would miss this game against Seattle. Um, but then he turns out he's going to play. It makes me think his ankle's not 100%. We might end up seeing more of that. And if, a hobbled Kyler Murray is a problem for them. Um, not that he can't win from the pocket. It's just that his instincts are to do other things. Um, same way that same way with Russell Wilson, right? He can win from the pocket, but his instincts tell him to do other things. Um, I think it would be foolish to throw Kyler Murray out there um, not being 100% before a bye week in a year where you're going to be in command of you're going to you're going to be in the playoffs. Um, against a Seattle team on the road just seems kind of weird to me to, to, to do that. Um, but you know, you want to put your best players out there in a position to be successful. And this is a game they probably feel like they could get and, and notch it up as a win. And every win no, is you're not, important in you the NFL. No, they can't, they can't say that they're going to win anything if Murray doesn't play. If Murray doesn't play, they're chalking right. it as a loss. So they're coming right. in wanting this win, wanting to keep uh, ahead of, of of the Packers, wanting to you know keep that number one seed you know set up there for them. And at the same time, they want to take Seattle out because, given the history of these two teams, isn't that the truth? Even, even if Arizona gets in as the number you know as, as let's, say, let's say they get in as the number two seed, um, win the division, and Seattle sneaks in as number seven. If you're Arizona, do you feel confident when Seattle comes to town? The fall, you know, the nobody feels week? completely 100% confident when you're facing Russell Wilson. Well, yeah. And especially given the history of these two teams, right? They, if they can eliminate Seattle uh, now rather than waiting till the playoffs where it, it could or hurt their them, last game, um, they're going yeah. to, they're going to do it. They're going to so, play to get rid of Seattle because Seattle is a thorn in their side. Give me your score. Um, a hobbled Kyler Murray against Seattle's rejuvenated defense, I think, is a problem. I don't know what to expect from Seattle's offense, but I'm thinking it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I'm going 17-20 Seattle. Nice. Yay. One of us is going to be right. I hope it's you. Truly. Me too. How weird is it that you picked against Seattle and I didn't? Yeah. This is like 
this is like a bizarro <laughs> world. Like we are every everything is backwards. Um, I'm this. <laughs> we should have uh, sat on the other <laughs> other side today. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> ignore the hate, ignore the hair color here. I'm the cynical old fart of the show, That's and funny. Um, I'm picking Seattle, <laughs> and you're not. So there's that. Awesome. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Follow Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. I'm at NW Seahawks. The show is at Hawks Playbook. SeahawksPlaybook.com is the website. Follow us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe as well as YouTube. And until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at MyersNFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.